Welcome to the Drawscast Podcast. Inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. And now, coming to you live from the palatial Drawscast Studios and streaming worldwide, ladies and gentlemen, Draws. Hello, and welcome to the Drawscast. Today on the show, I have Elena Fulvio. She is a hiring, people, and profit strategist and advisor. But her life story, along with what she does for a living, is so much more than that title. Elena is a 13-time world record-holding athlete in skydiving and a 16-year Silicon Valley in-house talent advisor and recruiter turned global hiring, people, and profit strategist and advisor focusing on ensuring companies and their non-HR hiring teams in any industry get hiring right. She is disrupting the market and eliminating one of the world's biggest profit and culture draining blind spots with her innovative plug and play solutions that offer the market what it never has before. Elena is such an interesting person, we could uh, have her on for another full hour and we may, but uh, she is a graduate of the University of California in Santa Barbara, and we are going to pick up her life uh, right after that, where she travels to Italy. So, ladies and gentlemen, Elena Fulvio. Because after you went to Santa Barbara, you moved back to Italy kind of on a whim, right? Yeah, um, I've in in, in in Santa Barbara. I my junior year, I decided to go abroad for a year and and study. Uh, and I'm that type of person that I love to immerse. So I chose really not to speak any English while I was there. Um, I was actually in college. I got a C in, in Italian because all it was was books. So I, when I went to Italy in college, I just said no English, all Italian. Um, and so when I moved back, uh, it was actually at the dot bomb. Uh, sorry, when I graduated, uh, I decided to move over to Italy in, in 1999 um, mm-hmm. on a whim in a sense meaning I had no job and I had nowhere to live, but what I knew was that I wanted to be there. And so I packed money away and I boxed all my stuff up and my parents brought me to the airport and they wished me well. And I said, great. And I had a boyfriend over there at a time. So I stayed with him for a couple of weeks, an Italian boyfriend. Um, but really I was on my own. I just wanted to know, I wanted to experience the truly being a part of the culture. I didn't want to be an American in Italy. I wanted to be, so I have my Italian citizenship. So uh, my first job was selling leather, which was really boring because all it was was speaking English uh, to American and Japanese. And I thought, this is not, this is not why I'm here. So I quit, went in for an interview. And uh, (laughs) I remember the interview very clearly. Marco, he says, uh, uh, he goes, how much Italian do you speak? I said, about 25%. He goes, uh, this job is selling um, like the the skede is the uh, the SIM cards, and it has different phone numbers on it. And he said, "Well, you're actually going door to door because Italians work in their companies. You're going door to door. You're opening up the door, and you have to sell them right then and there a new SIM card with their new number on it. Well, if you know anything about Italians, they're about as hard to sell as as as, as rocks uh, to okay. change anything. And um, so anyway, he said, your territory is Tuscany." And it's 100% Italian, and you're going to make about $3 a contract. And you're going to work Monday through Saturday, um, and you have to pay for all your own gas and all that. And I said, great, I'm in. And he said, are you crazy? And I said, 
my territory is Tuscany. I get to speak Italian and I get to true, all my colleagues were Italian. And I said, this is why I'm here. I said, and I, and I got president's club. We went to Monaco and I just threw myself into a, a situation and I said, let's see what happens. And I do that a lot. You know, I'll say, you know, where is my heart leading me? Um, and so two and a half years later, uh, I decided to come back to the United States. There wasn't a lot of opportunity for one females and two just in general for Italians uh, for work. So I came back in 2001 and I was, came back in the dot bomb. So I just missed the dot com boom, came back in the dot bomb, got a job as a sales rep, was let go three months later along with all the other sales reps. And I went, what do I do? Like, what am I? And I was just torn. I wanted to be in Italy, but then I wanted to be here and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I just kind of sat there and I went, I'm, I'm a little lost. I'm a loss. I'm not quite sure what I want to do. And um, I had some friends who were skydivers and they kept trying to get me to skydive. And I said, are you crazy? <laughs> like, are you crazy? They like, were not meant to fall from airplanes. Like you guys are crazy. And, um, but one day it just clicked and I went, wow, I'm really in this just rut of not knowing. I, I'm not feeling life. And that's not normal for me. Like I really engage with life. And so I turned to my friend who's a tandem master and I said, Hey, Aaron. And he goes, yeah. And I said, I'll meet you out there on Sunday. And he goes, what are you talking about? And I said, um, I'm going to make a skydive. He goes, I thought you thought we were crazy. I said, you are. I said, but I need a shock to my system. I need to do something that I would never do to know that there's more possible out there. I needed to feel it. Well, the experience that I had was interesting because that was in 2002 and I, I showed up, but I made the skydive and I, landed and the video guy looks at me he goes did you have a great time and he put two thumbs up and I said it was amazing and in my head I went you liar you did not like that you are such a liar and um and I said to myself Elena you didn't allow yourself to truly experience that so I looked at Aaron and I said I'll meet you inside I'm going to sign up again he goes you're gonna go again I said yeah I'm going again because the ex I didn't really experience the skydive. I was so in my head. I was so oversensitized. I was so scared, but I faked it because I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't in control. And so I went, you need to really just surrender, surrender to the experience. If they can do it, you can do it. So I went up again and he held me out the door a little longer, which of course it was <laughs> freaked me out, but I just, we, we launched out and I just yelled out out all of the fear and anything I had and I just let go and I felt the wind and I felt my true smile and I felt everything and when we landed I went okay letting go of control is not always a, is a bad thing surrendering to a situation to experience it is a good thing because then you can decide whether you like it or not and it's at that point that I not only fell in love with the sport it's a very very hard sport um, but the people it was the first time in my life, and I was mid-20s, late-20s, uh, it was the first time in my life that I had ever experienced a tribe, meaning I've always been looking for a group of people that I loved, like the majority I loved, I identified with, and they loved me back. I always had friends here and there in high school, and but onesie twosies. And I said, I said to my psychologist one day, I said, I found them. And she said, who'd you find? I said, my tribe. I said, I found them. And I told her with what? She goes, are you crazy? And I said, no. I said, I'm going to go for it. And even through student program, 
I was still scared, but I said, if they can do it, I can do it. I got to give myself that shot. And what I got out of it was so much more than just, you know, I have 13 world records. Um, I have over 3,500 skydives. And, but it's more than that. It was a community. It was those rainy days where you go, wow, I'm going to wait it out. And you have these magical conversations with people or someone teaches you how to not hurt yourself, how to prepare for what you're, what you're, you know, it, it was really taught me a lot about life as well. It was really beautiful. Um, so yeah, it was, um, yeah, if I could jump in a little bit, yeah. I, I just want to, that, that was a lot to unpack. So uh, a couple of things of yeah. point that you mentioned um, when you were, we're going to go back to Italy real quick, but yeah. you go to Italy, you talk to this guy, he tells you all this information that, uh, you know, you're going to be poor and it's going to be really hard to do. Yeah. You know, do you think he was trying to talk you out of it? No, I think he thought I was crazy. I, okay. he was, I think what he was trying to do was really ensure that I really wanted to be here. I think he was just, he was being really, really authentic. Um, and actually it's interesting because what I do in, in work is I'm so authentic with people that I give them the choice to be in or out authentically. And so I, I don't think he was trying to talk me out of it. Actually, I think he thought it was kind of funny. Um, and he liked my energy and he liked me, but I, he was, he was just really ensuring because he also had, I, I'm part of a team. And so if I was not really enrolled in it, there would be a breakdown in the team. So, yeah. you know, I learned from him how to really select the right people for teams as well. Yeah. And, and that leads to uh, the, the whole skydiving thing and, and finding your tribe. And yeah. I'm, I know that you know this, but, uh, you know, we all, it's part of, of who we are is to kind of find our, our band of thieves, so to speak, right? Your tribe. Yeah. Uh, as you as you've put it yeah. um, and really just because you've taken uh, those chances you were able to find your tribe within this skydiving thing and it turned into world records for you and and you know until we we talked before I didn't know they kept track world record wise for <laughs> for skydiving yeah. and whatnot so um, that is uh, that's really cool stuff so yeah um, yeah uh, so your skydiving career, uh, you had, you know, these highs, you've, you've had some tragedies with it too, but yeah. as you've said, uh, during our pre-show talk, it, it really gave you some clarity. So if you don't yeah. mind, you can tell us about that. Yeah. Um, so in so many ways, skydiving, well, in tandem with skydiving, I also became a recruiter in the Silicon Valley. Uh, which I quickly found out what kind of recruiter I was. I was the human-centric type versus the they're a resume type. And so while I'm finding my tribe and connecting with humans that are loving me as well, I'm also in a, in a career that I'm challenged with how do I, how do I match make? How do I do it via company and resume or I do it humans and human? And so um, skydiving, because there is such a, a not a high possibility for death or hurt, but there is. It really, for, for most of us, not all of us, has us really present to how much we love the other person or how grateful we are. I mean, gratitude just came up. And um, so I'd say, what was it about? So 2002, I started 
Um, and so about five years later, uh, so about four years later, I, we, we jump a different drop zone. So there's different locations where pe- people jump and we just like people ask about, well, is it a club? How does it happen? You really just show up. And so you'll call someone and be like, Hey, how's the weather? I'm going to show up and, or you kind just like show up. What do you kind say? Like kind of like a flash mob. Pretty much. Yep. Yeah. You just show up or I would actually, I, I was so dedicated to it. I actually bought a car that I could sleep in. Um, when I went to buy the Honda Passport, I bought a car. I said, can you drop the seats back? And the guy goes, why? I said, I need to see if I can sleep in it. And he goes, for what? And I said, for skydiving. And the greatest of skydivers, we will sleep there for what, how, as long as we can to make as many jumps. I mean, sometimes I made 10, 12, 15, 20 jumps a day. I mean, it really depended. And so what I got really present with, with having this, this, this dual path of, I'm in this I'm in this, I found my tribe. I found this sport that really tests me. I jump out of a plane every time. Like my humanity is very present. And I started really, really experiencing love uh, intensely. So, and then also within recruitment as well was being honored to help people connect and find their, get their lives. Like that's how I see it. So at this drop zone, I had a great mentor, Evan um, Mortimer, who was just so kind to take me on and teach me. And then I rose to a level where I needed to go be a small fish in a big pond. And so I went over to Lodi, California, and there are about five or six guys there um, and one girl, but yeah, one girl and about five or six or two girls um, that were, were, were some of the innovators of the kind of skydive that I did. And... Uh, so I went, I was so scared because I, I just thought, will they accept me? Will they take me in? Because they've been known to not accept people in, but they took me right in. And, uh, and I just learned in that group. Um, I eventually met my husband. Uh, and it's interesting. It's a story. It's very Cinderella, which I won't give you the whole story this time, but very Cinderella because I wasn't attracted to him. I didn't think he was the guy, like he was nerdy and, not who I dated and all this kind of stuff. And he was trying to be Mr. Cool guy, but he actually was like the nicest guy ever. So we were being polar opposites of our personalities. We ended up getting over that. We actually just had a conversation like, this is not me. Can I just be me? And he goes, Oh, can I just be the nice guy now? And I said, are you nice? And he goes, yeah. (laughs) So it was really a beautiful, beautiful moment. And we just bonded and he was my yin yang. So that was uh, 2007 and uh, 2008, he asked me to marry him. And of course I said, yes, because you just found my person. I never thought I'd find my person. Um, I thought I was just too crazy <laughs> for anyone to like keep up, but he's brilliant PhD biomedical engineering, one of the innovators in skydiving. We got married in August. And then like you mentioned tragedy. Um, uh, so my grandmother died five days before my wedding uh, and that was really difficult. And, uh, but Robbie, my husband, uh, brought me through that. We had a magical, magical wedding and we had just got back from our first uh, honeymoon and I got a little bit sick. And so I said, Oh, you just go out and you skydive, go ahead and skydive. And he was training, like he was going to be the Michael Phelps of uh, skydiving. He was going to get, um, oh, um, he was going to do everything that no one's done it yet. And he was going to do it all. And I guarantee he would have, uh, but what happened that weekend was he had an accident and with another woman, uh, it's not that their parachutes did not open. Cause I get that question a lot. Uh, what happened was that they were training to do, you see like these kites where people are connected with all of their parachutes. 
um, and their parachutes got tangled and both of them died. And so uh, 15 days after I got married and I was at the top of the world going, me? Like, I, like we both kind of looked at each other all the time going, I really, this is really happening? Yeah. And I was just brought to nothing. And uh, it was the worst thing that's ever happened in my life. And I remember wondering whether I was going to make it sometimes and like, how am I going to, I didn't feel joy, happiness, love. I felt nothing. Like I was like, my, my, my friend said, you're gray. And I said, that's how I feel. I remember one day sitting there and someone said, oh, you're a widow. And I went, I'm, I was 34. He was 32. Yeah. And I went, I'm a widow. And I literally remember sitting there. I woke up one morning about three months after. And I usually face things as you can see, like I face things head on. And how often I wasn't facing it, but I went, all right, Elena, sun was shining in and I sat there and I put up my hands and I said, okay, this left hand is, you're not going to take it on. You're just going to live. You're just going to exist. And you're going to, it's like living in death, right? Just like living in it. Right. And if you do that, and I didn't have any choice to, there's no suicide thoughts, but it was like, you're just going to exist like that. And that's like living death or your right hand. If you choose your right hand, you're going to about face. And I just saw it as a wall of fire, this wall of fire that you hope to God there's life on the other side, that there's joy and happiness and, and something else besides what I'm feeling right now. So you have a choice, make it right now. Your left hand, you sit in it, you do nothing or your right hand. And I just looked at myself and I went, not today. I said, today I'm taking it on. I just got chills. And I just, and I'm actually, the book will be coming out at some point, but it's called Defining My Widow, which is literally, you get to define who you are. Like whatever, you're a dad, you know, I'm a widow, I'm a skydiver. You get to define it for you. And so I thought, huh, a lot of people had opinions how I, how I needed to go through it. And I thought, well, I can learn and take the best. But what I got out of it, the, the, the greatest thing that I got out of it, I always say it's the greatest tragedy, tragedy that I've ever had and the best thing that's ever happened to me. It was the greatest thing that he, he and his death were like the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Now, of course, I'd want him back, but is that I realized that love is all. That that's really, I, I got so connected to my truth and why I'm here. And I'm here to help people connect with each other and feel that love. And whether it's that partnership love or not, but with, that, with the loss of him was, wow, love is all. And I'm not here for all this other material stuff and whatever. I'm here to really connect with people. And so um, it's a tragic story. And he's made a huge ripple effect impact on the world. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Um, we actually did about six world records based off of a, uh, of a skydive that he um, mapped out before he died. And we did it five years later. So he was an innovator. So I just learned a lot of things from him too. It's like being in the moment. I'm always in the future. I'm like, go, 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 you know? And so from there, it took me about six months. And I just wasn't feeling skydiving. I wasn't feeling joy. I wasn't feeling anything. And then one day I just walked out into the field and I looked up and I said, I think it's time, babe. And I just got his message of, of course, yeah, I'm here, whatever. <laughs> you do what you want to do. I mean, I'm here to support you. And uh, so I put on my gear and I will tell you, I had, we call it when you do like three people, it's called a three way or four people, it's called a four way. I had the most magical jump I've ever had in my 3,500 jumps. I was more free than ever. I was so present with everything, with the smiles, with my friends, with life, and so grateful that I not only 
am jumping out of a plane and able to do it. But I got to have the experience of having someone like that. I got to have the, the experience of the tragedy and I took it and said, what can I get from that? And how can I use that to my advantage and to help other people as well? So it was a huge tragedy. Um, and I'm 10 years later. So it's, uh, I've learned a lot from it and it's integrated a lot into my business and how I impact people. Yeah. So a couple of things there, you mentioned that there were people who were saying, this is how you should go through this. This is how you go through this. Uh, but that's probably how they went through it or how they envisioned going through yes. uh, the grieving period yes. really, is what it is. Uh, but you found your way to handle your grieving. And because you're the person that you are, you have taken that and, and really that's become, uh, well, you turned that clarity into your vocation or your career. Yeah. 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 And Very much uh, so. that's really, yeah, that's amazing. Thank you uh, so much for sharing that. Of course. Uh, that part of your life. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it is part of you and, and um, you know, people learn a lot more about you if, if uh, you know, you share that kind of stuff. Yeah. So. And I wouldn't be who I am today without that having happened. That's so, right. um, you know, so, yeah. Thanks for letting me share that too. Oh. I know sometimes it's hard for people to hear and I understand that, you know? Um, so yeah, thanks. Okay. Right. <laughs> Very good. So uh, another good segue there. So now you, you have your, your, your vocation, your career, uh, mm -hmm. and you want, you know, your career to be human centric. And, and uh, I know it turned into pendulum, mm -hmm. your company, Yes. Uh, was there a lead up to that or did you say, this is my path? <laughs> Definitely a lead up. But you know, those, <laughs> you know, those times in life where you go, why am I going through this? Like, this is kind of hard or, or, you know, you question it. So from 2004, when I started recruiting up until 2014, uh, so 10 years, I was in some of the greatest companies ever. Like I, I, was pulled over to LinkedIn. Uh, I actually uh, helped scale them, took them public. I was the first recruiter at GoPro internally, took them public, and then Medallia after that. Within each of those organizations, and this is what I say I was questioning, was they gave me the, the team. So the decision makers are not the recruiters. The decision makers are, is everyone else. The engineers, the product managers, the CEOs, the, the IT, anyone interviewing, their group, right? Uh, and so they always gave me, they said, this is the challenging team, or they have a lot of turnover, or they don't have enough women, or they always gave me, I always thought, why me? Like, why do I have to get beat up all the time? You know, but what I really got was that I kept being challenged to be put into my truth. Because instead of going into those groups and saying, well, here's more resumes, and this is how you have to do it, and forcing them, because I was so present to the human connection and, the, and love and partnership. And that's why uh, you'll ask people, my peers and my, my ex-bosses, Elaine is kind of the odd one because I, I see it as the human journey together. And so Pendulum was formed during those times. I didn't realize it was going to be called Pendulum. Um, but I started to see the gap in, and it's still the gap in the world today. The biggest gap in, in hiring is that the decision makers are, never, are not trained, right? So you wouldn't say, 
throw an IT, throw me in to do coding tomorrow and think that I'm going to do a good job without training. <laughs> that would be, that would be insanity. Um, yeah. But there is only one discipline in every company that every part of the company has to do is hire. It's the last thing to be invested in, into how to get it right and to how to empower people to do it. Right. So most people don't want to spend most of their time hiring. They want to spend it on where they love, you know? So I started seeing, wow, the gap here is not quantity of resumes. The gap here is not, um, it's, it's one, the candidate experience, which has become a big, you know, terminology, which is true. What is that candidate? What is that human experience of your company? And then I started bringing to the table, the partnership with my um, hiring managers and teams I started training them on how to communicate with the candidates so that it's not just check boxes, right? Cause these are not, this is not the, the candidates are not there for them. You are there together to see if you can find a partnership. And that's, right. I started to, because I was thrown into this, these fires and like GoPro, my manager said, here's five teams, just go figure it out. I thought, great. I'm going to go bring them together as humans and create communication strategies create alignment, create efficiency. And so the Silicon Valley has a way it's brilliant, but it lacks human centricity. It has lost its way in terms of that. And it's still there. It's coming back a bit, but it's lost its way. And I felt my soul in, in 2013 dying because I was, I it was all around me with just resumes. And so I felt my soul dying. And so in 2014, I went to a company called Medallia and I said, I'll be here for seven months to help you. Um, and they gave me this amazing human. We're still one of my closest friends, Juan. He was the head of engineering at Medallia. And uh, they said, well, he's hate, hated every recruiter that he's ever, that's ever worked for him. Here you go. And I went, great. <laughs> Once again. Um, but this is, this is great. And he could tell his story too. We've just created a magical partnership, but it was like this to start. But I told them, I said, I'll be here for seven months and then I'm leaving. They said, well, what are you going to do? And I said, I'm going to quit. I'm going to buy an RV. I'm going to have no job, nowhere to be, and I'm going to just drive. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, that's what I'm doing. And on August 6th, I'm leaving. Well, it ended up being August 7th for a situation that happened. But we turned around that opportunity. And I'd say Pendulum started to become born as I was being a recruiter, as I started most, most recruiters go after it by shoving, giving resumes. I was actually creating the solution for it to be optimized and for people to actually have the right connection. Culture, where people weren't focusing on culture fits. I was focusing on culture fits. So I went on this road trip. It was a year, a month, and two days. People always laugh that I know the exact days, but it's, it's amazing. It's um, I ha- I- yeah, it's good that you can... <laughs> that's a neat thing to go back on and say, this is how long I was doing it. Uh, it's, it's just good. It's a good part of your story there. So. Yeah. Yeah. And actually yeah. I wrote, I wrote during it actually that the unedited version is going to come out this year because it's just, it's just time for me to pull it out of the closet. And, and I wrote during it. Um, I call myself the momentist during it. I wrote because I didn't have a plan of what was going to happen, but what started to happen was with, with my authenticity, with my coming to people with love even in just the high, or even if just the smile, people immediately went, hi, back. And we had conversations and I was just starting to get Philip and Philip. And, and I mean, it was incredible. I have friends all over the country now. Um, I went to 38 states 
And the last state that I went to, which I thought, oh, I won't go to it. It's whatever. It's a little state above California is Oregon. Well, it was perfect that I went to Oregon last because I find that state to be the most human centric that I've experienced where if you don't look at someone when you're hiking, they'll like, they'll go down and be like, hi, good morning. And what can I do for you? And how can I help you? And, and so um, on the road trip though, uh, I, I thought I was going to be gone for five months. It was about nine months in. I wanted to be a beach bum down in San Diego. So I went and did that. And so I was, uh, took the RV, went down there, met one of my best friends still to today, to today and um, her ex-husband now. I said, I need, I need to make a little bit of cash. I can garden. I can do manual labor. I don't know. I just need some money. He asked me what I did. So I told him. Next day he comes back. He goes, I talked to my CEO. We're really bad at hiring. We want you to come in for two months and hire for us. And I thought, I'm not quitting my road trip. Well, Pendulum, Pendulum was born in that moment because I said, I'll give you two days. And I thought, how am I going to help them with their hiring in two days? How can I really alter the state of it? And I thought, what's usually the issue? The, and I, so I brought together the leadership. I said, before I come in for these two days, I, I said, the CEO and I want the leadership to come and sit around a table. And I just want to listen to what you think the issues are. And I can hear things behind things um, farther than most people can. And I heard breakdown in culture. I heard no communication strategy. I heard all these things. I said, great. Um, I had just done a skydiving event for my late husband. We always do them. They're um, free events and whatnot because that was how he did it too. So I just finished an event, went to my hotel room. Out of my brain, I pulled out a two-day workshop. And it's still, I ha, it's a three-day workshop right now, but it's the third day is experiential. Like I believe in, I'm not just going to give you a book and teach you. I'm going to train you on how to be self-sufficient. And then we're going to bring in live humans who are possible for you to hire, who then you can take whatever we've done in those two days and we can actually go live so that you are empowered. You're not just taught, right? I don't believe in that. So Pendulum was born by him saying, I'll, I'll give you two days. And so I went in there. And, um, and there's whole other, other stories, but I walked in and it was all men, I think, except for one. And the company, uh, had been around for 20 years, mind you. So a couple questions to start. And then I said, okay, great. Let's talk about the f number one thing that if you don't have this, you shouldn't be hiring. It's number one thing. I said, why don't you guys define me your culture? So I wrote up culture right here. Right. And I said, okay, great guys define for me your culture. And I turned around and crickets behind me. And I turned around and went, guys, what, what's your culture? And the CEO literally said, Elena, you guys, I'm so sorry. We've been here for 20 years and we've never defined it. And I said, that's why you're having issues along with other things. But if you are not aligned in your culture, like your tribe, if you are not clear about that, you're trying to hire in random humans who don't even know what to align to. So, Let's get clear on that. So, so my workshop came out. I have a three-pillar formula, which is like the foundation. We created their process because you need process. Um, I call it the systemization because you create repeatability, right? Because right. yep. none of them were recruiters and they don't really want to spend a lot of time hiring. So you might as well make something efficient and repeatable. So Pendulum was born right there. I kept going on my road trip and I came back to the Bay and I said, I don't want to be here. I, I want... 
I want to move where other people are there for each other. And Denver, it was either going to be Bend, Oregon or Denver. And uh, Both Denver wonderful had, places, by the way. I mean, amazing, right? Just Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Oh, I, I can't wait to go back to Bend myself. It just gives me the, the travel itch. Uh, and I, but I chose Denver because it was a bigger area. But I chose it because every time I went to Denver, before people even knew me, they looked at me and said, how can I make your trip the best that it can be? Because I didn't live there. And I went, I'm going to go around tribe. I need to be surrounded by tribe of people who are there for others first. They say hello to you, et cetera. So I literally, they had just given me a welcome home party. I feel bad for my parents. I'm an only child. They're like, you're home. And I'm like, I'm leaving. So I went, I went out to, to Denver, didn't really expect to sign a lease looked at a few places, signed a lease and went, well, I guess I'll be back in two weeks. No job, no nothing. Right. And, and so, and I chose that because I went on a walk right when I got back from my road trip and I said, I'm going to look at everybody that walks by me and I'm going to say good morning. And I'm going to see who says good morning. 12 people walked by, two looked at me. The others never looked at me, which is typical for here. Two looked at me when I said good morning and they went, <gasps> good morning. Like it was, I said, I'm out of here. I got to be around tribe. So I moved to Denver. And that's when I, that's why I officially said it's time. It's time for me. Recruiting is beautiful because I get to help people truly get their lives, but I needed, I couldn't, I can't work on top of what's, what's broken and what's broken in still in history right now is most companies don't define their culture. They just don't. I mean, they, they don't. They don't. They, no matter great. how often people say to them, what's your culture? Define your culture. People are drawn to culture, aren't they? I mean, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So um, it's amazing as much as we've learned through all of these years that uh, as companies are being developed and, and finally they make it as a company, uh, they still don't know what yeah. makes them who they are. Yeah. And it, it floors me, really. <laughs> yeah. You know, it really does. Yeah. yeah. So, well, it's, it's lucky if they make it because 90% fail in the first three years. Right. And right. I'll, I will, I would bet everything I have because already I know. Well, number one, people are, people are a company's greatest asset, not the product, not anything else. Because a product can be great, but if you have no people to do it, <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, right. it's not that great, you know. That's right. Good people. Yeah, the well, people, and if you have people, people, good people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you have, like, with skydiving, if you have people with commonalities, it works out. Like my my world records would never have worked if we all were like, well, we're just kind of going to do our on our own. We're not going to plan anything. We're not going to do. It's just like skydiving. You create a plan, you plan it together, you communicate together, and you really figure out how you're going to do this together and you commit to doing it together. And that's the same thing when it comes to with, with hiring. And like you said, with culture, it doesn't matter even how big these companies get. They still, luckily, lucky they, they get to be that big, but culture is the biggest breakdown. And then they don't empower people to know how to hire they expect the recruiter to be the one to ensure that that works. And actually we are 0.5% of why someone even is hired. You know, I, I'm really great at what I do as a recruiter, 
but it's the teams, it's the people that are actually hiring into their groups. And that's what Pendulum really stands for. So one, I, I named it Pendulum. People ask me that all the time, like, why Pendulum? And I said, well, one, it, just, it came out randomly. I was talking to a friend of mine and he said, tell me about what you do. And I said, well, one of the things that I do is the, the world, and I started drawing a pendulum, which I'd never done. I said, the world is, has really swung outward. Like balance is in the center, right? It's like the spine. But the world has really swung outward and swung outward from non-human centric, from really inefficient in a lot of ways, and especially with hiring. Like it's way out here. It's not human centric. It's get me more resumes. What can they do for me? And I was like, I'm bringing it back to center. I am bringing this world back to the center so that everyone can be connected to what their truth is and they can connect with other people that, that align with the same truth, right? Not just shove people in. And to eliminate, and there's not many companies out there that are actually doing this, um, but it's pretty in, big innovation, is ensuring that, that companies, even at two people, have a process to hire, know how to hire, know how to create the experience for the candidate, know how to, I know, I, I won't swear, but it's like kind of care. Like this human is walking in and they're there for you and have gratitude for them. Like have gratitude that they're giving you the opportunity to build your dream. And that's, that's what I tell every one of my clients. That's a great way to look at it. That, yeah. that is, uh, if there was a defining sentence <laughs> to our podcast, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah, uh, yeah that, is, uh, that is an excellent way to look at it. And as you know, it, it doesn't happen very often. So uh, We're I think changing that. We're changing yes. that. We're yes. doing that. Yep. Yeah. And it, that's, uh, you know, we're, we're doing it one at a time. You know, and that's what that's what you're doing. And, yeah. you know, eventually we'll get there. But, uh, you know, the customer base that you have is, is pretty large uh, yeah. since most companies are doing that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. And you know what? As far as culture is concerned, it doesn't matter how big the company is. No. You're out in Silicon Valley. You mentioned Google to me uh, a couple of times. And it could be a Google or it could be a... 10 employee manufacturing place. Yeah. You know, there still is a culture and you got to define it. Yes. And, and then stick with it. Kind of like a business plan, right? We're going to hire people who are talented uh, and it, it doesn't matter uh, where they come from or what they're about. Uh, and let's try to fit them into our culture. Yeah. And, or you don't even have to try to fit them if you define it, like you said. But this is the other thing that I think is great to bring up to your point. Leadership might define it. And then they play a game of telephone. They just go, oh, will you go tell so-and-so what our culture is? And then when you go tell the so-and-so, and they expect everyone to know what their culture is. But I tell them, literally, save yourself a lot of time and a lot of profit loss. Bring everyone into one room and talk about culture. Because you are going to hear people that are opposed and people that are for and the beauty about it is, is that we have the ability to communicate. You know, we have the ability to communicate this culture. And it's one of my greatest clients. I mean, and they're killing it right now. They're in fintech in New York. They're now 60 people. And I trained them up at, at they went through my workshop. Um, it was the three day. And then I also coached them after to optimize. They killed it in three days. And they went, wow, 
We never knew that one, we could have so much fun <laughs> with interviewing. And I'm like, yeah, I make it fun because it doesn't have to be heavy. Like I, I help you make, help you make it fun. He goes, and most of them are like, I, I, we're spending less time doing it. And I said, yeah, because when you're not good at something, you spend more time. So you get efficient. And then, you know, really one of them really said, wow, I have never connected with a candidate like that ever in my life. And that was, that was so great actually. And I went, and right there for me, I was like, my job is done because it's really about human connection. And one thing I say too is human resources is a, is a term we use right out there. Um, and I actually have written an article about it, but I speak about it. Human resources. We lack being human centric, true humans to each other. And we lack being true resources for each other. And Pendulum, yes. my commitment to the world is to bring this back together. And we're all human resources for each other. So, you know, bring that. People are just waiting to be connected with. People are waiting for you to smile at them. People are waiting, like the candidates, they're hoping that you care about them, right? And, you know, the employees are hoping that, you know, they do a good job by hiring. And so empower them to do it. But yeah, culture, to your point is, it really doesn't matter one thing I say is do not repeat history and history even to this day has everyone still waiting way too long to define culture. If it's the one thing that you do define your culture, but define it in the right way and in the right terms and ensure that you have communication around it and then systematize your hiring process. And I guarantee the profit loss, the people loss. When you lose a person, you don't just lose a person. You lose money, you lose their thoughts, you lose their ideas, uh, you lose yeah, loyalty. Yeah. I mean, then, you know, it yeah. still is a business, but yeah, there's, yeah. I've done research on that before. And depending on the level of the person that you're uh, losing, you're right, you're losing all their ideas, you're using, losing all of that experience that you put into them. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, you're talking about, you know, five figures easily. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and and oh, yeah. losses when you lose somebody. Oh yeah. Then you got to bring a new person in and then you got to, you know, train them back to what your culture is. If you find <laughs> <the> culture. <laughs> exactly. Right? exactly. And then yeah. you have, and then you have to, you have to go correct the, the cultural breakdowns that happened with the ripple effect that happened with that person leaving, because it's not that person leaving. Yeah. It's the people around them going, huh, why or what, or I don't believe in that, or I agree with that. And you have all this mess to fix. And so um, one person that um, I'm good friends with, Nick Hudlick, uh, he's on my Profitable Leader Summit. He was at GoPro while I was there. He owned a company called General Things. And I always wanted to recruit for them, but I, I left too early. And so we giggle about that. He's like, I heard, I heard it should be you. And I said, I heard it should be you. I heard about his leadership. He grew a company that GoPro eventually bought to 60 people it, within GoPro to 60 people with zero turnover. That is literally unheard of. Oh yeah. And he, wow. and he did it in Silicon Valley and he's a human's first leader. And that's the type of leaders that don't just create more profit, like financial profit, but those are the type of leaders that people want to follow. And you, you don't have to deal with all those cultural breakdowns. If you've defined it first, you communicate it, you own it. Like you said, and then you create the structure around how to minimize the time people spend hiring, 
so that they are in their space of genius more. The engineers are engineering versus hiring more product. And, you know, no one, no, and I always ask people, I'm like, would you trade your job for my job? And they're like, no, no way. And I said, well, let me help you optimize so that you can spend more time doing what you love. And that's really, I think the biggest thing about Pendulum is ensuring that my, my true end goal, besides the optimization, besides the efficiency, besides the systemization, the operating process, the training of managers, the, I teach teams how to communicate but really, at the end of the day, my mission in life is to ensure that people have lives that they love and are surrounded by people that they're aligned with as well. Because I, I got that from, from the skydiving aspect, from the loss of my husband, was who you are around either empowers or disempowers your life. So you might as well be around people that you love being around. But if you go about it haphazard, that's what, how it's going to happen. So that's uh, how Pendulum was born and all that. Excellent. Well, yeah. uh, <laughs> you are a fascinating person, and we're going to have you back because I know we could go on for, for <laughs> quite a while yet. Yeah. So, uh, but just for the sake of the, the folks who are listening to us out yeah. there, uh, we're going to wrap it. But as you know, we wrap, uh, we wrap up the Drawscast yep. with five <laughs> questions, lightning round. I'm ready. All right. I love it when you do this. You've been doing your homework on random lightning round questions. (laughs) No, I do. I come in blind. I come in blind for you. (laughs) All right. Very good. Question number one. Do you like to cook? Ooh, uh, uh, I'm going to say 30%. 30%. So you don't like to cook. (sighs) It's because it's just me. I'm single. Okay. And and it's my cats. So I feel like I don't have anyone to really cook for. So, no, it's not a passion of mine. And I'm decent, so, eh. Okay. All right. <laughs> Take it or leave it, right? Take it or leave it. Yes. Yeah, okay. exactly. <laughs> All right. How about your favorite food? Ooh, geesh. That's going to go between sushi and authentic, authentic six-course Italian meal, like authentic. Um, I think the, with some pesto as well. I think those are my two. Have you ever heard of a uh, restaurant called Buca di Peppa? Oh, of course. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. When, I, when you say six-course Italian meal, that's that's what I think of. Family style, where everybody's sitting around the table sharing and, yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a stickler. I'm a stickler for Italian because I live there, and Italians are food snobs and wine snobs, but it's okay because they, they do it really well. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so I, I, since I moved there, I know now which restaurants are authentic and not. So yeah, that's, that's the family style, um, that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, I mentioned this, uh, the last, you know, one of the other times that we spoke, but you have, uh, and of course you're in the Silicon Valley, uh, you have, uh, the North beach area of San Francisco mm-hmm. where I, I, I've been to San Francisco plenty of times, but I haven't been up there to have an Italian meal, but oh, yeah. I would assume you go there at times yes. when you really need something. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know. I, I go to where I know if I walk in and they have accents and they're all Italian, I'm like, all right, I'll go right there. If it's all <laughs> Americans, I'm like, yeah, I want to go where, or I can speak Italian too. I get to speak a little Italian. So yeah, I go to where the, I go to where the, like even here where the Mexicans go, I go because yeah. that's authentic food, you know, cause they, yeah. they were not going to go to crappy food. So yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a spot in uh, Southwest Detroit mm. that, that is called Mexican Town. 
And that's where a lot of uh, uh, Mexican and, and Latin immigrants have uh, have gone to. And they have, you know, some amazing uh, restaurants there, kind of like North Beachwood with, yeah. with all the Italian restaurants. Yeah. You want to uh, go where they go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I know you've traveled the world, Italy. You probably were in some countries uh, to get there, right? You probably maybe spent some time in France. So you've been in Europe. Yeah. And, uh, and you've been I, to Africa. I backpacked for three months all around Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Backpacking. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, where have you not been that you want to go? Oh, that I want to go is Southern America, like South America. I South have America. Been, yeah. South America. I have not been there yet. Um, I did go to Africa last year, but I went to Namibia. Um, I really, I, I, Africa has always pulled me. Uh, it has pulled me, but I'm also um, uh, like a, I, I'm animal activist as well. Like I help to, to save, you know, the elephants and the rhinos and really protect the resources that we have. And I'd like to go to Africa, especially to go educate myself more. To vol- And by the way, whenever I travel, I always volunteer. So I go somewhere and I, and I call up a place and I'm like, okay, can I volunteer for a day? And then I go do the rest of my stuff. So Africa's top of my list. Um, and then I'd say South America, I, but I've been told Alaska just recently that I need to get up there. Um, I hear it's pretty amazing. So I'd say those three. Having been to Alaska, I can tell you it is, and you're a hiker, uh, and I am too. So I can tell you that now I didn't go into the frontier. You know, I spent a few days in Anchorage, um, because anywhere else in Alaska you, that you get to, you got to go by plane. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Maybe there's a there's a highway between Anchorage and Fairbanks, but other than that, you gotta fly. Interesting. Uh, yeah. So, but there was plenty of great hikes and and climbs just in Anchorage by itself. So, yeah, I can attest to that. And yeah, uh, yeah probably Brazil or Australia for mm. me. Ah, uh, yeah, Australia. True. Do a little walkabout. That'd be fun. That's right. Go <laughs> inward. There's uh, something called Devil's Rock or something like that. That uh, yeah. is supposed to be a big deal. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, everybody's got a talent that uh, a lot of people don't know about—a hidden talent. Mm. What is uh, Elena Folio's hidden talent? <laughs> uh, well, one of the biggest ones is uh, I'm a seer. So. Um, I can walk into rooms and besides energies, and I've actually had to manage it because I can feel everything. And it's not just an intuitor or an empath. It's actually a seer. So um, I, can, I, I get messages from future stuff. And I also can walk into, and which helps with my business too. I can walk in and I know something's going on. So I can see what's, what's going on. Uh, by feeling it. Like I also get pictures and I also um, uh, get, I'm an uh, clear audience as well. So that's one of my, my birth talents, I guess you could say. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, Yeah. And that helps you out in, in your business, right? I mean, whatever you call it, the sixth sense, you know, whatever you call it, uh, you know, there's definitely some, some yeah. uh, benefit. Sometimes yeah. it's just having the experience. Yeah. I myself, having spent 30 years in the restaurant business, 
I've probably seen every kind of scenario, human scenario, uh, you know, and the interaction or every kind of person. So I would get a feeling of uh, maybe how this interaction is going to work out. Or yeah, uh, I always used to know going into uh, going into a restaurant whether uh, whether there was some shenanigans going on. It's just a feeling. Yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, last question. Okay. What do you want written on your tombstone? Ooh. Um, I just want it to be written my name, and it just says, love is all above it. And that's really it. Um, that's just the message that's I would a, leave with the world. I mean, based on what we've talked about today, that, that is your message. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, so you are... Uh, and then it might say at the bottom, now go smile at one person. <laughs> that's right. It might say oh, that. Did you, yeah, what did I see online that you <laughs> called it? It was a magic minute. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. And then maybe you could have your magic, you know, go do this, you know, for one minute a day or something like that. Yeah. I've been putting more about, about um, more of those out on YouTube. I'll even call my friends. Um, sometimes I'll have a question in their head like, oh, I'm... I can't do this or I can't do that. And I'll call them for one minute. I'm like, you got one minute. You've got this. And so I've been putting more of those out on YouTube of just a magic minute, something to think about, you know, something yeah. to do. So, which can alter the life of yourself and others. And it's, it's interesting. You said something prior, which was one thing I'll also leave us with is, you know, when we are doing it one by one, uh, but I think more of the collective whole is coming together, understanding that it's easier with love and it's, it's, it's better with love versus the, the you versus me. Um, and like I say in, in my business, and I'm creating a culture of, of what I call we leaders. It's not me, me, me leader. It's we. It's you and me. And um, I think it's, it's really growing. So I'm, I'm really excited for, for a lot of stuff going on in the world, but I'm really excited for for the, this tribe to start bringing yeah. uh, the future of, of community and tribe together. Yeah, you're not alone with the, uh, with the we leader. You know, yeah. we've, I've seen that pop up a lot more now. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's a good, good vein to be on. Uh, yeah. So how do, I know how to get a hold of you, but how mm-hmm. do people out there who are listening to the podcast get a hold of you if they want to do business or, uh, or just uh, pick your brain a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. And I invite anyone to just contact me. I mean, um, I'm, I'm always open to just having conversations or, you know, if you have a question about the business or, or you're looking for a career, just whatever you have a curiosity about my life. It's, you know, I'm, I'm open like that. Uh, so you can call me. Uh, so my phone number is 650-393-3924. Or you can go to my um, website, which is pendulumglobal.com. Uh, you can also email me, which everyone spells my name wrong, but I'll just spell it. So it's I Elena. Didn't. I didn't. I got I it right. <laughs> You did, actually. It's funny. That's one of the reasons why I named Pendulum, because I thought, well, no one can spell or say my name. So, uh, But the email is Elena, but it's A-L-A-N-A at PendulumGlobal.com. Or you can go find me. You you know, you can, it's Elena Fulvio. So it's F as in Frank, U-L-V-I-O. You can go to YouTube. You can find me everywhere. There's, there's, I, I write articles. Um, if you miss this here or whatever it is, you can always um, go Google me and 
and find me from there as well. So yeah, and um, you do I, have, uh, and your and your personal website is is different than your business, right? So yeah, is that in Elena Elena Fulvio? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's the, that's my, <laughs> I kind of called to my, my alter ego. Uh, my other side of my life, that's a whole nother, well, that's part of the road trip too, but elenafulvio.com. Um, mm-hmm. So Pendulum Global is is the business side. Uh, and then Elena Fulvio, you'll, you'll be able to experience all the other sides of me as well. And I talk about that and, and my road trip is on there. Yeah, and, I was going to um, say, and you know, your road trip. So Yeah, yeah. yeah so. There's a good picture of you uh, in there. I'm I'm thinking you're at Niagara Falls. Oh yeah, with me looking away. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, you're on the American side because all of the uh, all the fun stuffs on the other side yeah. of the border. <laughs> exactly. I, it was cute. The ticket lady. I was by myself, and I got this a lot on my trip. I said one, please, and she goes, "Darling, are you alone?" And I go, "Yeah." I said just one, please. She goes, "Honey, aren't you with someone? You should be with someone. You're so pretty." And I said. No, it's just me. I said, but there's going to be people in there. So I'll be with people. And she goes, okay, what are you doing here? And I, I said, oh, I'm traveling around the U.S. She goes, where are you from? I said, California. She goes, oh, you're so far away, darling. You need to be with. I was just, I was an experience <laughs> like that. But yeah, that was Niagara Falls. Um, and I did the whole, you know, hoodie thing and out there. And, and yeah, that was, um, that was there. So yeah, people can go to that website and enjoy I do a lot of videos and YouTube too. I have a lot of an authentic videos. Like I'm not, I don't prep. I am in the moment. I call myself the momentist. I'm in the moment, a leaf falls and I'm like, I have an idea. Or, you know, I smile at someone like you and I go, huh, there's a thought. And I just, it's just the moment, you know, that we're in is, is to capture. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, so, so take care and, um, So for those of you who are listening, this is going to conclude uh, this episode. Uh, If you enjoyed it, uh, I would venture to say uh, I will have Elena on again. Uh, And like I've said a couple of times, a fascinating person. So, um, so everybody take care out there and uh, don't forget about drawstalks.com and, and my books. And I look forward to uh, Elena's book when it comes out as well. Yeah. Amazing. So, thank you. Thank yeah. you for having me. And thank you everyone for watching and being present and enjoying our, our connection and our conversation too. Which yeah. is amazing. Very good. All right. So take care. Bye for now. Bye. You have been listening to the Draws Cast podcast, inspiration, motivation, and leadership with an attitude. Be sure to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and head over to his YouTube channel, The Draws, and do the same. Want more? Go to DrawsTalks.com for more great information and to find out how to book Draws for your next event. And check out Draws' latest book, Leadership, One Golden Nugget at a Time. Tune in next time for more of the Draws Cast Podcast.